Let's take this outside with Marianne Iveson, the podcast where she speaks to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about why they connect with nature. Sarah Christie is an advocate for people, our planet, and animals with over a decade of experience in the radio broadcast industry. In 2021, Sarah combined her love of meeting new people and broadcasting background and created the eco-conscious interview series, EarthCare. Sarah's mission with EarthCare is to communicate approachable and accessible climate action steps for everyone. Please welcome Sarah Christie from the EarthCare Show. Sarah Christie, welcome to Let's Take This Outside. Just bonding over tea. Yeah, we were just talking about I'm drinking Christmas in Paris because it's almost the holidays, which is like a lavender. Is it like lavender mint chocolate or something? It's perfection. And I was, yeah, looking for it literally this past Sunday oh, because nerds. I'm like, oh, it's that time of year. <laughs> <laughs> We're such nerds. Do you have your Christmas tree up yet? No. And I keep telling a coworker that I'm going to get my Christmas mugs out. Like tonight, I'm going to get my Christmas mugs out. So maybe that's what I'll do after this podcast. <laughs> my my great aunt just passed away and she uh, like, I, this is not, has nothing to do with the outdoors. But she gave us a bunch of like old, you know, cups and teacups and mugs. And there's like this one I should have drank it on or used it out here. But it has like this snowman and a teddy bear like holding hands. And it's just like this old, really old vintage mug. And I love it. It's my new favorite Christmas mug. So. Oh, that's special. Something about a seasonal mug. And I am hesitant to say this because I don't like promoting anything like big consumption, you know, going out and buying something just because it's in season. But like, if you get a vintage mug like that, it just tastes better in the mug. I don't know why. Like, it does just taste better in the mug. Yes, it tastes like love. That's what it tastes like. Right. <laughs> okay. So this conversation is hilarious because we are two. I'm going to say I'm an old radio person. You're a current radio person. And we've never met. We know the ton of the same people. But we both have podcasts about like outdoors nature in that vein who also care deeply about nature. So but this is your first time on a podcast. Is that true? Yeah, I'm usually the one doing what you're doing, you know, asking the question. So this is totally uncomfortable. <laughs> I was going to say, how does it feel to be on the other side of things? Yeah, I'm sweating. (laughs) (laughs) So much. (laughs) You're going to do so well. I know that feeling on the other side, but you're going to be great. You live in Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah. I moved here a couple of years ago, but I've, you know, radio. I've lived in Winnipeg. I've lived in Niagara. I have Waterloo. And yeah, it's radio. You just move. Where'd you grow up? St. Catharines. So someone doesn't know St. Catharines specifically, like Niagara region by Niagara Falls. Lots of good hiking in that area, for sure. Okay, so I was going to ask, like, where this is all leading to where did your love of nature begin? Like, where did that start for you? Yeah, and I've been thinking about that one, knowing that you were probably going to ask a question along those lines. And it honestly, I think, was an organic introduction and relationship between me and my love for nature because we we just were outside all the time. I grew up with a bunch of other kids my age on a street that a lot of the families still all live there. And they're like my second family. And, you know, every year we have this big barbecue for all the neighbors and we just all were outside all the time, you know, like whether it was raining, whether it was snowing, and there was so much pride in like your dirty fingernails or like your soaking wet mittens and all the things that come with being outside. And I think it was truly like, we weren't really allowed to have video games or anything growing up. So, you know, you watch a bit of TV, sure, but mostly go outside and play. And I think it was just so organic and has turned into, you know, as you 
grow up, you learn more and more and more. And just as uh, what comes with age is experience. And so what started as just having a lot of fun playing outside has become like, oh my God, what would we do without everything outside we need it why aren't we all protecting it I don't understand and so yeah I don't really have like this revolutionary story other than like I really liked climbing trees growing up ignorance is bliss in this case right where you're like we're just so ignorantly playing outside and enjoying it and connecting to nature and you're you know bare feet on the ground and you're climbing tree like if I if I climbed a tree today I'd probably hurt myself (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) right Totally. I was thinking about that too, like the calluses we would have from like climbing trees or like not wearing shoes outside. But like I said, like there was just so much like pride in that and being like, this means I had fun. Um, (laughs) And now, yeah, now my back hurts thinking about it. (laughs) So you live downtown Toronto, I'm guessing, because you walk to work is also my guess. I'm assuming you're not like taking your private jet to (laughs) work. <laughs> I actually live on one of the outskirts. I, I'm I'm in Mimico, um, so like Etobicoke. So actually, I ride my bike to the GO train, GO train, and then walk from the train station over to work. So I do like a trains, bikes, and automobiles, not even like whatever the equivalent of that movie would be. <laughs> and what do you do in the winter? Same? We're going to find out. This is my first year with the bike and the commute situation. So I got it in March. So there was still snow on the ground, but they do a pretty good job of maintaining the bike lane. So we'll circle back to that one. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you again in like two months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did ride in hail last week. And honestly, hail, I would welcome any day over than like the uphill when the wind is going in the opposite direction. So, right. Yeah, any day. So we'll see. Also, good thing you're not on TV. Are you just going to show up to work just like No, honestly, the heat warnings in the summer, I had to get Have you seen people with those neck fans? No, I have not seen those. I've been really pushing these neck fans. I'm think I'm the biggest <laughs> advocate for them because of how heavily I use mine in the summer, but it it just sits on your neck and it's a fan and I would have it so like the second I got off my bike, I hit on. And the whole summer, like you could see people on the train looking at me trying to figure out what it was because I'm just like sweating, but also my hair is blowing on the train and it's all very confusing. But it was um, the only reason I think I didn't pass out during the heat waves, like trying to get to work. Yeah, I give you so much kudos. I do have to ask, so like living in Toronto, I have, I have so many great guests on here who say that you can find nature anywhere. You know, Toronto though is known for this, like if you live somewhere else in Canada, it's known for this big concrete jungle, right? But I know there are spots of nature and parks. But how do you feel living, you know, in Etobicoke region or uh, living in the outskirts of Toronto? Do you feel like you have that need to go out of the city and go hiking? Like, how do you get that nature fix? And Because it's so good for our mental health. We know this scientifically. Yeah, for sure. Well, interestingly enough, I think a lot of my outdoor nature fix has been fulfilled by getting really into gardening. Oh, amazing. And so sure, I love to go hiking and I wish I had more time from it. I live down the street. I'm so lucky to live down the street from the lake and a really big park with trails. So like I take advantage of that as much as I can. But truly, like most of my outdoor time is in the garden. And is just such a game changer for your mental health. I mean, it's taught me so much in terms of using what you have, understanding a deeper connection with food waste and what soil does for us and how that gives back to us. And, you know, it's just been a really cool learning experience. And then at the same time, I'm outside and 
yeah, it's it's been cool. I had another guest on and I'll have to send it to you afterwards. Her name is Alexis Ashworth and she started a program and I think it's changed quite a bit since, but she started a program where it was like doing programs to like teach people to like connect with the dirt through like gardening and planting and plants. And I'm trying to remember exact word for it, but it's like a type of therapy. It's a type of like, it wasn't gardening therapy, but it was something in that vein, but it's it's very much just hands in the dirt, right? Almost repeating that same, you know, sentiment of when we were kids and we were so excited about our dirty finger fingernails. It's like there have been proven studies about the endorphins you get from just putting your hands in soil and, you know, what's released, the chemical release from that. But like there's that joke, you know, come springtime about the gardener's manicure of just how your fingernails are disgusting. But it's like you got out there. You were outside. Radio is I know is super fun, but, you know, something you're also super passionate about is this uh, niche about taking care of the earth. So I'm so impressed that you have created Earth Care, and that is why I wanted to chat with you about what you've created and and who you're talking to in your audience and trying to tell other millennials about taking care of the earth in our own small little ways. So where did the idea of Earth Care come from? There's so many layers to it, but I think really what was happening was we were in a pandemic. So there was a level of connection that got completely taken away from us, especially being in radio, right? Where you're talking to people all the time, you're going out to events. But then at the same time, there was just this, you turn on the news literally every day and you can read more and more about climate disaster. And I remember, do you remember the wildfires in Australia? Yes. Yeah. Terrible. Right. Climate disasters have been happening for our entire lifetime, but it was something about those ones specifically where I was like, I can't keep doing what I'm doing and not trying, at least trying to get a message out there or like do my part, you know, and as radio, uh, like as broadcasters, that's kind of our skill set, right? We can tell a story, we can communicate things. Well, we can certainly try and communicate things, but we can, we can spread a message. And I wrote this down. So Dr. Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson, she has this, uh, this really cool Venn diagram that breaks down finding your lane in climate action. So the circles are what brings you joy? What are you good at? And what work needs doing? And in the middle is like, okay, that's your climate action. And kind of at that, it was like, well, I'm a communicator. Like I, I work in radio, you know? Um, and there's a lot of things that I keep reading about that I don't know if everybody else is reading about them. So like, I want to talk about them. And, you know, I want to talk about them with people. And so with that, it kind of sparked Earth Care. I haven't also like I'm a vegan and I haven't eaten meat. I don't know, all, like a very long time, um, 16 years or something like that. And with that just came a lot of learning and unlearning. And it's one of those things where you go, oh, now that I know that this is how I'll move forward accordingly. And a big portion of that was just like the animal agriculture industry and what it does to the environment. And so then as I learned more about that, it was, okay, well, what else can I do for the environment? What else is happening to the environment that I don't know about? And it was just this process of like, what else, <laughs> you know? And yeah, which is like a very unsettling pile of things to uncover, but like, it's important. This is our home. This This is our home, you know? Of course I want to know about it and what I can do. And if telling a story or trying to get a message out there is my role, then going all in. So that's where Earth Care kind of 
started. <laughs> so Earth Care essentially is these like, we can call it a podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you put in your description something like, you know, it's a it's a show or it's you put something else. But yeah, it's a podcast and shorter like segments where you're trying to encourage and educate people on how they can do their part to take care of the earth, correct? Yeah, I call them bite-sized conversations just for two reasons. Um, And one of them is because our experience in radio is that the attention span isn't always there and people are busy. They don't always have, you know, like that much time in a day. And these are also can be tough conversations. So I figure, you know, maybe you don't have a half an hour in a day to like really digest all this heavy information. So what if we just talk about it in about 10 minutes? And so, you know, you have the facts. And now you know, and you can do with that what you will. Like you can dig deeper, you can tell your friend. They're just these bite-sized aha moments or, you know, like just pieces of information that are really important to know about, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. Do you have any favorite like guests that that were like kind of like aha moments or conversations that you had that were like maybe changed your perspective or again, back to the like mind-blowing moment. Literally every conversation. And I say that, no, but I, I'll, I'll tell you some specifics, but truly, because this has selfishly been such an incredible learning experience of just doing a 180 with my mindset, you know, the way I go about most things in life. But recently, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with like hands off the green belt. What was our provincial government was trying to, you know, sell land on the green belt for housing development. So I started interviewing just a ton of people who were actively opposing it, but I interviewed farmers, I interviewed community developers, community planners, I interviewed the former mayor of Toronto. And those were, I think, such impactful conversations just to understand how quickly we can be lied to and how it can be so effortlessly covered up unless you really do the research and, you know, uh, dig a bit deeper, which isn't always easy. So my goal is, you know, okay, maybe you don't have time to do all the research and read through these huge policies. Instead, here's a 10-minute podcast to give you a different perspective. You know, I'm not saying necessarily that everything I learn or say is right, but I'm trying to learn with you. And that's the whole goal of Earth Care is that we're in this together. Like, we we should be fighting the same fight here because we all live here. I was going to say, I don't get too political on this show sometimes, but I think it's pretty obvious what I care about. (laughs) But do you feel, do you feel like justified in like, how the green belt thing ended and where it's going and the uh, and how they're looking into it is there any justification <laughs> for you yes and no i think like it was a huge win and a huge testament to the power of us like of us raising our voice because it can feel so like okay i signed a petition didn't hear back now what you know i went to this rally now what And it can feel very isolating and paralyzing when you actually read about the facts. But these people in Parliament who led this great walkout back in 2020 trying to, you know, raise some red flags about what was happening to our Greenbelt, this is three years later. So it's that such a testament to commitment, the power of numbers, and literally just believing in your voice. And so there obviously are other things that are not great that are happening. Highway 413 is 413 is a great example of that because that's building over indigenous land, that's building over conservation land. You know, so there are other things that definitely need our voices to back and some more research. But it is really um, empowering to see that it's not wasted efforts. 
you know, and when you hear people saying we need everyone, that's not a lie. I love that we got political, but any other like non-political things that you learned from people and guests that like you really remember that that you want to share? Well, yeah, I mean, so, so simple. And this, these are the things that like, I finished the interview and go, why aren't we all talking about this? So like, I, I, I had an interview with early, early in the stages of earth care about someone who was talking about just fixing and upcycling things before buying new. And it was so simple. Just the idea of, okay, well, like your socks have holes in them. Have you learned how to darn them back together? Or like, can you collect them and maybe use them for another purpose? For instance, to divert them from a landfill, you know, because it takes natural resources to make everything and our natural resources are finite. So this this cycle of just, well, it's kind of broken, so I'm just going to get rid of it and get a new one. Like eventually we will run out of things to make new. So you know those like cold stoppers, cold air blockers that you put in front of a door? No, describe it to me. Okay, so it's just like a log of material. I don't know. You put it in front of the bottom of a door to block the draft. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in a really old house, so we always had them growing up, but I'm currently living in an old house, so all of the doorways are pretty drafty. And so I've been saving all of my socks with holes in them to just fill this material that I stitched together and put it in front of a door. And now it blocks the draft. And you know, you save money on your heat bill, you um, save electricity, because you don't have to pump the heat as much. And it's just that conversation was just examples of that. And it was just so simple, but not things we talk about in a simple way. And we don't talk about them often. It's usually what's on sale. Black Friday is coming up. What are you going to be buying? And, you know, I think the times are extremely expensive right now. So everybody's looking to save money. And Black Friday is a great opportunity to do that. But this buying for the sake of buying is, you know, at some point has to just break that cycle. And this idea of repairing and upcycling is there for us to just lean into. I am a grown woman, but I still, uh, my parents are in like Southern Ontario, but I have like, I like gather things that have rips in them because I don't know how to sew. (laughs) And I'll bring, (laughs) so I have like these North, now that it's winter, I have these North Face gloves I forgot last year, like had a hole in them and I bring them out and I put them on. There's a big hole in it. I'm like, and they're my cross country ski gloves, right? Like my light ones. And I'm like, you don't need new cross country ski gloves. Bring them home. Your mother will like- (laughs) Do a little couple stitch. I could easily bring them to someone here, but there's something about like, mom, can you fix my... Yes, it's like when you find the hairdresser that does it perfectly, you know, like, you can't go to anywhere else. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Flashback. 
Let's take this outside now has a newsletter. Keep up to date with outdoor news, events, and great discount codes and deals from our partners. Sign up today at let's take this outside.ca. I saw your I saw your, your Halloween costume. Um okay, I'm trying to remember his what was what was it from? Bill Hader. <laughs> it's Bill Hader. Okay, it's Bill Hader. It's that meme. It's like Yeah, so and I loved I laughed out loud when I saw it. Um and it's on your Instagram and it's on your TikTok, so I'm going to make sure that that there's links to that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you First of all, that was an amazing costume, but you just like use things from your house. The point is you use things from your house instead of create, you know, going out and going to like spirit Halloween and spending a hundred dollars, right? Like you went and just got stuff from your house. Yeah. Yeah. We had a costume contest at work, which Did I you won. <laughs> it was the, the Bill Hader meme that went really popular on TikTok. And it's actually from an SNL skit that didn't make it live to the show, but it's on oh, YouTube. Wow. But anyway, I was just kind of looking around the house being like, what do I have that <laughs> will work with something that's popular right now? Because, you know, like radio, we like to do pop culture related things. I don't know. And anyway, yeah, that's the whole goal. I'm obsessed with Halloween. I, I, I love Christmas. I love decorating, but it can be so wasteful, you know, to buy these things that are just seasonal and get rid of them. So I'm like, what can I do here and still lean into everything that I love and that brings me joy and still have fun. So I've upcycled a lot of Halloween decorations. I've I've made a lot of them out of like cardboard and scraps that I have around the house. I usually make a costume out of things that I have around here, but it's still fun. And, and there's such like a creative challenge there. You know, it just feels like you're a kid again doing crafts. And it's it just I don't know. I think it's more my bank account is very happy with it. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a difference? That's a good question, actually. That's a really good question. I, I, I'll i say yes, only because I notice a difference at the end of the month when I do finally go and spend on something new. You know, like I, I'm currently in the market for like a base layer uh, pants, right? Because it's going to get cold soon and I'm riding a bike and it's going to get freezing. And, you know, that's something new that I'm not typically spending money on. And so because of that, I kind of know, like, what are my monthly expenses? When I do go out of out of the ordinary and buy these things that like I wouldn't typically be shopping for, it does kind of make a difference, which is a plus side to trying to be low waste. What are some of we've talked about some of them naturally, but what are some of your favorite tips on how we can do our own part and, you know, take care of the earth and upcycle or reuse or what are your some of your favorites? Honestly, my biggest piece of advice is always to just start talking about it. And, and that can come in so many forms. I think you have so many circles, whether that's your social media circle, your work circle, your family, and you know, the shows you watch, the books you read, make sure something or someone in those circles is about the environment. And that doesn't necessarily have to be climate doom. There are so many hopeful books. There are so many hopeful podcasts like yours, like literally going outside And just appreciating everything around you is climate action. Because once you're out there and you're looking at it and you're taking it all in, it's like, heck, yeah, I love this. Why would I not want to protect this, you know? And that's all part of it. And I think understanding that it doesn't have to be like, okay, tomorrow I'm like never, you know, shopping ever again, like for new stuff or I, I, you know, I'm switching to an electric car. Like that's so unrealistic. So you just find what works for you right now and it's incredible what that ripple effect has on 
you yourself, you know, what you might discover throughout or the people around you. You know, my my mom and dad. Now I know like parents are typically pretty supportive. So this might be a lame story, but my mom and dad aren't vegans and they aren't vegetarians. And my mom is allergic to nuts. And that's important because a lot of like vegan alternatives are made from nuts. So like a nut loaf. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they went to a concert recently in St. Catharines and they brought, first of all, they brought their reusable water bottles and they like texted me being like, oh, this venue allows reusable water bottles because this is just like stuff we talk about all the time. And they went to a vegan restaurant beforehand just because it's in their catalog of restaurants they like. So it's just been normalized, these things that actually are eco-friendly, but because we talk about them so often and we, you know, uh, lean into them so often, they're just normal. That is really, that's really cute because first of all, they love you. But secondly, yeah. <laughs> they're genuinely trying to do their part. And uh, speaking of which, fans choose to reuse is such a cool initiative. So you are, so essentially it's reusable water bottles at concert venues. Yeah. And so Fans Choose to Reuse is kind of a marriage between my professional world and earth care because I have been going to concerts thanks to my parents since I was four years old. Music is clearly like holds a big spot in my heart. It's, you know, radio, right? And so I'm very fortunate to have gone to the amount of concerts I've gone to, but I've also seen waste at every angle of a concert. Like I've been backstage and watched an entire fruit tray unopened, be thrown out. I see plastic water bottles everywhere. You know, you get thirsty. They're also like $7 at these venues. And a lot of it is out of our control. You know, like if you're going to get pop, if you're going to get wine or beer at a concert, that's out of our control. Like we can't bring a reusable water bottle and ask for wine in that. But water is often something we can control. So it's like taking our power back because that's the thing about once you start looking into, you know, what's happening to the environment, you can feel very overwhelmed and be like, this is hopeless. I'm not even going to try. But once you see that there are things you can do, you kind of feel empowered. And so using a reusable water bottle is often an opportunity to just take your power back. And you'd be shocked at how many venues allow them, how many major venues allow them. And so fans choose to reuse is just an invitation for concert goers to take climate action simply by bringing their reusable water bottle to an event. And, you know, maybe they get a beer, but also maybe they get water. And that's one less plastic water bottle that gets discarded because in Canada, only uh, 9% of our plastic waste is actually recycled. And so you can't rely on it. And if you look at like those trash bins on the way out, like there's pizza in the recycling bin, like there's no one's sorting that. No one is sorting that. And so your best bet is to just try and stop the waste from happening in the first place, which would be by bringing a reusable water bottle. So it's this pledge that you can take at earthcareshow.com. It's up there and just commit to uh, bringing a reusable water bottle to any concert that allows them because some venues aren't there yet. I have faith that they'll get there and, you know, get on board. But like in Ottawa, there are a bunch. What's the the why did it just escape me? The big arena there in Ottawa. The Canadian Tire Center? Yeah. Allows reusable water bottles. Oh, cool. Right. And you think about how many people go there for sports, for concerts yearly. If that just got normalized, if bringing your reusable water bottle was just a normal thing, you know, that is a huge chunk of waste that would be diverted. And even if you're like, eh, about the environment, if, but, you're like, but you like saving money, like... <laughs> 
Right? Literally, like $7 for water. How can you just Are we high? Like, I can't right now with the prices of everything. And so this is exactly like exactly what you just said. Who's going to argue with saving money? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. You know, this reminds me of uh, speaking of concerts, because I used to work in country music, went to Boots and Hearts, had that, you know, had that experience. But I remember leaving Boots and Hearts or any of those big outdoor festivals, all of the like tents and garbage and just like it was just a wasteland afterwards. And it always made me so sad every single time leaving those. Yeah. And I think that is another thing about just committing to whatever your climate action is is it just keeps the environment top of mind. So whether that's, you know, when you're going to get your morning coffee, you're bringing your reusable mug moving forward. Suddenly the environment is top of mind because you're going to think about it every time you go get coffee, right? And so now inadvertently trickles into other parts of your life. And because now you're leaving that campsite thinking about it, whereas like maybe if you weren't getting, you bringing your reusable mug all the time, it wouldn't even cross your mind because you're not thinking about it, right? And I think that goes back to like why you should just make sure you're talking about it in some circle because how are you going to help if you don't even know what's happening or what's wrong with this situation? I feel like Yeti should be a sponsor for you. I feel like you should team up. (laughs) I love my Yeti, so it just keeps it hot forever. (laughs) I have burnt my mouth because of my medicine. I'm not selling the Yeti very well, but that's how like hot it keeps it. Like this is not sponsorship for each. each, We just want sponsorship from Yeti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love my Yeti. (laughs) Um, I will say that like the only time it hasn't really worked was I think it was like a a minus twenty something day, and I went skiing for a few hours and came back, and it was like it was like kind of (laughs) lukewarm. So like, that's the only real time, right? (laughs) That's another thing too. Like when you, your Yeti keeps your drink warm forever. And then by the time you get to work, you go get your coffee, whatever. And you don't, you get it in their disposable mugs. By the time you get to work, it's probably cold. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I want it to stay hot all the time. Lukewarm. Do you have any more like ideas or initiatives that you're like thinking about? Or is it kind of hush hush or... Well, fans choose to reuse is a huge one. And uh, right now, like as of this week, we are at the one year mark until Taylor Swift lands in Canada. She's going to be at the Rogers Center for six nights. So my goal with fans choose to reuse, I mean, I want everyone to take the pledge because it's free and it's all it's doing is suggesting a way for you to save money by bringing a reusable water bottle to a venue. But the Rogers Center seats over 49,000 fans over the six nights of the Eras Tour there will be over 294,000 fans going to that show. That's not accounting for all the people who are traveling into Toronto, all the parents who are dropping their kiddos off at that concert. There's going to be, you know, that's going to come with a lot of waste. That's going to come with quite the carbon footprint. So the one thing that you can do and like take control over is bringing a reusable water bottle. So my goal is for the next year to let all 294,000 people going to that show in Toronto that you can bring a reusable water bottle to that concert. You have to champion Vancouver now, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look into that venue. I'll, that, that will be the next mission. No, I, I um definitely keeping up with the podcast and just trying to tell as many stories as possible because there's so much to learn here and it really does need everyone to be on board. When it comes to like activities outdoors, like Where's like your favorite place to explore, whether it's in Canada, Ontario, the world? Is there any places you really want to go? What are your favorite act? I just want to talk about activities for a second. Like there was this TikTok video that <laughs> the caption was like when she loves an adventure, but is 
like clumsy or when she loves an adventure and is clumsy. And it was this girl trying all these crazy adventures, but falling and wiping out on all of them. And that's me because <laughs> I'll try anything. I go snowboarding, like I'll go, I'll go cross country skiing and canoeing and any, anything you throw my way, I'll try, but I'm probably just mediocre at all of it. But I, in, in, in Niagara, they have short hills, which I grew up hiking and, you know, like the gorge around the falls is absolutely stunning. And I really like hiking those areas because it just there's so much nostalgia there and it just feels like home. And there's something so special about going on a trail and really knowing it. And I say knowing at surface level, I mean, knowing the directions, because I think really knowing it can have so many different meanings of like, understanding the trees and the the nature that you're like the what types of plants are growing there and that's a different but just really like I have so many good memories like I was a camp counselor I went to summer camp outdoor camp so I there are so many trails there that I'm just so attached to and there's DQ Falls is a funny one because do you know about DQ Falls no okay so DQ Falls is in Niagara and I grew up going to DQ, but there's one part of it where you kind of have to rock climb down and there's this really sketchy rope that really like I don't understand how this was open and legal, but there's this really sketchy rope that you kind of have to rock climb down with this rope. And we would go there like as kids with a summer camp. So these teenage camp counselors were like, okay, kids, during the pandemic, when everyone was just looking like for a reason to get outside, I don't know if it was BlogTO or BuzzFeed picked up that location and posted about it, but they had to close the trail because so many people were getting airlifted out of there because like, it's a really sketchy trail, but it's beautiful when you get down there. So I don't know if one day they're going to figure out a, a new route to make it down there, but it it was just one of those things that I hold close to my heart because I'm like, I got to do that as a kid. And it's so sketchy. And I don't think a lot of people got to do that. <laughs> That's what our childhood was for, was doing sketchy things that as adults, we would just be like, oh, God, I'm going to hurt myself. If I had kids and I found out that like a 16 year old camp counselor took my kid down this sketchy trail, I would probably be like pulling them out of camp. But no, um, you know, like I've gone out west and there's no bad things to say about those mountains. Like they're the most stunning, breathtaking things I've ever seen in my entire life. And I really want to go to the territories to see like, you know, I, I kick myself all the time for being in Winnipeg and not making the trek to Churchill and trying to see, you know, the Northern Lights and, you know, the nature over there is like, but I try to honestly just find what's good around me within driving distance because I don't know, I think there's something special about taking pride in the space around you, your own backyard. And then four times like when, you know, you hear that your green belt is under threat that suddenly gives you a kick in the pants to want to fight for it because you're like, well, no, I, I, I see that land. I've spent time on that land. And yeah, thank you for being a voice for that. And thank you for thank you for schooling me on doing my part and and taking more steps to take care of the earth, because, you know, we just go through throughout our day and we're so self-centered sometimes. But I really appreciate you having this conversation with me. This was super fun. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I will stop sweating eventually from all the nerves. (laughs) You're the best. You inspire me to get outside more truly. Like I like I said, I, I get outside in my backyard, sure, literally in my backyard. But like I see the adventures that you go on and I'm like, I'm not taking advantage of where I can be and how I can be spending my time. So thank you. 
So um, if you ever make it to Ottawa, I will, I'll take you to like the best vegan restaurants and we'll go for a couple <laughs> hikes, okay? Yes, deal. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For more Let's Take This Outside, go to letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.